Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. On CityCast Boise. All month, as part of our Dog Days of Boise series, we've been asking you to submit your dog training questions and struggles. Allison Bittner from Clever Paws Dog Training is here with the answers. Plus, she tells me why trying to dominate your dog into doing what you want means you're barking up the wrong tree. It's Wednesday, August 16th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Allison. Welcome to CityCast Boise. Hi, thank you for having me. So you train dogs through reward-based training, a no-fear-based training. What does that mean, and what does it look like in practice? I do. So uh, with reward-based training, you are using what your dog values uh, as a reward for offering or performing you know, behaviors or skills. Uh, so think of it as you're teaching your dog how to make good choices. Oh, I love that. And, and give me an example of that, like so a way that somebody would do that. A really great example is take walking. Walking excites dogs. They love to do it frequently. And so the first reward for a walk is going to be the leash. So if you have a dog that sees the leash and it excites them, it gets them jumping up and down, barking, then you use that leash as the first reward. And how it would work is we associate calmness with what they get, which would be the leash. So the moment that I would pick the leash up, if the dog would start to jump up and down and bark, I would simply sit the leash right back down. And with that, the dog then associates the excitement of jumping with what they want going away. And then when the dog calms down, they have four on the floor, they're not barking, they're quiet. If I then pick the leash back up, they start to associate that calm behavior is how they get what they want. So instead of, you know, maybe in the older kind of style training, when you pick the leash up and they start jumping around and getting excited, you would yell at them. A lot of people would even hit their dogs. But you're saying, just set the leash back down. Just let the dog have a minute to to do the right thing themselves. Exactly. And so the dog learns how to make a good choice. And the good choice is how they get what they want. Now, with that being said, the person also does not need to talk, which is kind of an interesting piece to it. Because if the person does talk, they are frequently reinforcing the wrong behavior. So it's just simply the action. Dogs watch our body. They watch our body language. So it's simply the action of putting it back down. And then the result is, yay, I get to go on a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and interesting, the leash is a reward because I think, you know, before I took, we took your class uh, at Clever Paws and with our puppy Bev, and it hadn't really occurred to me that like kind of some, sometimes a non-reaction is uh, as, as 
useful for training as a no or a, a, a command because that can be reinforcing, right? Yes, it can. It can very well be reinforcing. And then it gives the dog mixed signals. Mm-hmm. So how are Boiseans reacting to this non-fear-based training? Like, is Boise into this? Are they accepting it? You know, I have people contact me all the time specifically for uh, my training method. You know, it is, it's it's a newer training style. And it's very exciting to people to learn that they do not need to, you know, dominate their dog in order for their dog to learn. Uh, and it creates a great bond and people are loving that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. We had uh, an anthropologist on recently who was talking about our understanding of how we relate to dogs has really changed. And she was talking about this change from thinking that you own this pet, that you need to dominate them to get them to do what we want, to having more of a like symbiotic relationship. Is that really where this training kind of comes from? Exactly. It's it's communication. Dogs, they really do want to please us. But sometimes we give them different signals and they don't understand what they want. So with this training method, it teaches dogs, instead of focusing on what they are doing wrong, we focus on teaching them the correct thing to do. So what at what age should you start this training with your pet? Like, is it too, if somebody is listening to this and they're like, wait, I have a five-year-old lab, is it ever too late to start the training? It's never too late. And dogs learn how to love the training because you simply are using what they love. So a dog that is five years old that loves to play ball, you can simply use the ball to teach certain behaviors. You can use going outside to teach certain behaviors. So no matter the age of the dog, you're using what the dog enjoys doing. And, you know, as soon as you bring the puppy home, eight weeks old, that's a good time to start teaching because you're teaching the puppy what to do, not what not to do. So we have been asking our listeners and our Hey Boise readers for uh, questions to feel, have you field and help, get some helpful training tips from you. And one of the ones that we got the most was how do you get a dog to stop jumping? Do you have a tip for that? I do. So uh, jumping, it's very situational, of course. Uh, but, you know, it depends on if you're talking about guests or if you're talking about just the average person on the street or yourself. But no matter what, management and training goes together. So first thing is dogs, a lot of times why they jump, it's attention seeking behavior. They want us. They're excited by us. And so they will work for positive and negative reinforcement. An example of that would be is your dog, they come over to you, they're excited to see you, and they stand there for a split second, and they re- do not receive any feedback. You don't reach down and pet them. They don't receive a hello. And so then they jump up. And at that moment, if that's when the hands come out and they assist the dog down, or they're pushed, or you say no, or off, or down, then they received all of the feedback that they needed for two feet up, but they didn't receive anything for four on the floor. So the dog will get off, of course, but what they learned in that moment is when I want attention, all I have to do is go over and put two paws up. So with that being said, in that moment, in order to prevent it as your dog's coming over, you know, reach down and pet them. Uh, If they're already on you, take your hands up, fold your arms, uh, turn your back to them, anything that you can do that does not give them the attention. And then, of course, there's training. Uh, One thing that I suggest with training is lose the food bowl. 
If you've got a little jumper, grab their breakfast and walk around your house. And whenever your puppy comes over and they stand in front of you, that's breakfast. Drop breakfast on the floor, feed them by hand, uh, then move again. And if they come over to you and you wait long enough, if they jump, you walk away from them. If they sit, which they'll more than likely do, that's more breakfast. And so you're starting to train what to do. Yeah. And then uh, one thing that you helped us with with Bev, because um, she was jumping, she was a puppy, and you suggested uh, that before she has a chance, you sort of step towards her so that she sits. Uh, and 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 you said that she they kind of naturally do that, right? If you sort of take a step towards them and your hand is up, they'll sort of naturally like look up and then sit. And that was so effective, Allison. That was so helpful. Yes, it's a it's a neat little excited technique that I do. And it's where you teach a hand target frequently in class first, teach a dog how to target the palm of the hand. And then as the dog's coming towards you, uh, you show them that palm of the hand low and you raise it up and the dog does. They follow the target hand up with their head. And when the head goes up, usually the behind goes down. <laughs> so it is, it's a super effective and kind of a fun way to teach even the dog that's running at you uh, how to do a default sit. Another question we got a lot, which makes sense because a lot of people got dogs during COVID and now they're like out and about and doing more things, but separation anxiety. How do we get dogs to stop feeling so anxious when we leave and specifically to stop barking when their owners leave the home? Okay, so separation anxiety, it's it's such a big spectrum that, you know, just talking about some basics first is, and this would go along with the barking as well. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's the dog that they're not mentally or physically tired before their person leaves. And so they put all of that energy and stress into my person's gone. And, and so, you know, exercising them mentally and physically before you leave. And with it does not need to be an hour span, but just a short sessions. And then other things is, you know, have something that you know they're not going to tear up, such as a Kong, uh, freeze something in it. It could be something like cottage cheese with their kibble and you leave that for them. Uh, also ahead of time, start playing some soft music. So soft music when you're at home and your dog is calm. And then you turn that same soft music on when you're gone. Could just be the TV. Then other things, you know, have something special, a special toy. If you have a dog that is going to rip things, then of course, be very careful in what you give to them. But a special toy that they look forward to every time you leave. And so it actually is almost a little bit pleasurable that you're leaving because they get this special item. Uh, you could also do things such as sleeping with a sweatshirt and leaving your scent. Other things to do would be practicing you know, for seconds at a time, teaching your puppy that you will be back. So maybe it is you walk out of the room and you come back and you give them a pet or uh, you maybe you give them a treat, but teaching them that you will be coming back is a big deal. And then, of course, for the dogs that have, you know, the the, the very severe separation anxiety, there are there are force and fear free specialists that specialize in separation anxiety. And then frequently it's paired with, you know, some sort of a vet recommendation as well. The veterinarians have some special medicines to help 
What about reactive dogs? What about, you know, dogs that bark at other at people or at other dogs? Is there is there a no fear way to deal with that? Oh, there is for sure. The different reasons dogs bark is, you know, of course, fear. There's also excited barking and frustrated barking because they're on a leash or the dog that is excited. They're excited every time they see a person walking towards them. They're excited to see a dog. If they stand there and they bark and the person stands there and lets them bark, but then the person always talks to them and tries to stop them from barking, Mm. in a way, you might as well be joining in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're barking. We're barking. Yeah, that makes sense. You saying, no, stop it. No, stop it. They're like, oh, we're we're making noises. <laughs> exactly. And so and so different things to do. Um, you know, one of the big, big things I suggest is just turn and walk away. Just simply turn and walk away. You don't want to jerk the leash because jerking the leash actually sends feedback that something's wrong. So instead, uh, there are you know, there's techniques to teach a dog. There's leash pressure, which is I simply put pressure in the direction that I want to go. And dogs learn instead of pulling against it, they actually learn with leash pressure turning training to actually move towards the pressure. And so you can walk away and then you stop and you turn back towards that thing that excited them. And now you work. Now is where the training takes effect. You teach the dog to look at the distraction, the excitement distraction, and before the bark to then turn their eyes to you. And so it is a training technique. You can use food, you can use praise, uh, but it's very simple. You just need a little bit of distance in the beginning. What about, you know, I I know some of this uh, from your class can be avoided by socializing your puppy. What are the best ways to socialize a young dog? So uh, you want to start socializing right away when you get your puppy in a safe manner because, of course, they haven't had all their vaccinations. Uh, I do like to say, you know, socializing is very different than play. So play is its own thing. Socializing is a puppy that's comfortable with the world. So if you can... You know, you have an eight-week-old puppy, let's say, grab a stroller and teach your puppy at home that that stroller is a great place. Feed your puppy in the stroller and then take your puppy out and about. We want them to hear garbage trucks. We want them to see tall people, short people, loud. We want them to see children, um, anything and everything that they can see. And then, of course, along with that, bring some food so that they get socialized And they start to pair that that, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, But you want to start them early. Then you're in a safe spot, such as an area that's paved. Take them out and let them experience that as well. Okay, that's good to know. We have a question from a hey boy, from a listener actually who who wants to know why do some dogs seem to prefer women over men? Her dog becomes uh, barky around men, but never women. Okay, so frequently, I mean that could be, of course, the social factor. A big thing with socialization with dogs is as they get older, that's when they start to become more aware and. Uh, you know, things, especially as they become a teenager, start to worry them a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. if they haven't been exposed to a lot of men or they haven't been exposed to, you know, uh, different things, such as a man with a beard or uh, a very tall man, um, it could be just the fact that the deep voice, okay, is, is scary. So all of that stuff, if they haven't been exposed to it or 
when they were going through some sort of a fear period, something kind of scared them that that the, all of those are factors. So different things to do uh, would be, you know, first distance is the key. So if the if the man, let's say they're walking down the street and there comes a very friendly man that just is excited to see the puppy, uh, you know, try to stop if your puppy's fearful within two feet of that man, try to stop about five feet back and talk to your puppy. Tell him it's okay. Go check it out. Give him treats, toss treats on the ground. A big thing that you're looking for is that the puppy can look away. Puppies that stare, dogs that stare, that's where the fear starts to creep in a little bit because they can't look away. So by letting them look and then tossing a treat on the ground, you're helping them look away. Oh, we used uh, we used check it out all the time with our dog Bev because she's kind of a skittish dog, and um, I the check it out thing has helped so much. Just being like, hey, like you know, she's scared of sheets, towels, like anything big that you like bring out. All of a sudden, she's like, ah. But your that technique you taught us, the check it out, and then give her a treat. She's gotten so brave, and she'll go over and sniff it because she knows if we say check it out. It must be okay. So that that actually was a really helpful one for us. Um, we have one. I, this one's kind of tricky. Uh, hey, Boise reader, Katie wants some tips for dealing with recurring accidents in the house. What are your thoughts on potty training? And now, if we're talking about puppies, frequently puppies will have very small accidents, sometimes through five months, okay? And one reason for that is because their bladder, it's not mature enough. And what I mean is they don't know they have to go until they have to go. So one thing to first watch out for is watch out for a signal. So a signal with a puppy is the puppy may be laying there or or playing with some toys, and then all of a sudden they stop. That's a signal they have to go. They stopped because something felt funny, (laughs) and they didn't know until the last moment. And so you want to get them out there. Some puppies will turn in circles. Uh, you know, some will whine. So there's just little signals that as as the puppy gets a little bit older, uh, to you know, you can recognize in your own pup. Uh, other things, you know, keeping charts so that you know when the accidents are happening, uh, taking them out frequently. Mm. If you have a puppy that, let's say, you let out in your yard and you look out the window and your puppy is running around and having a blast, comes to the door, you let your puppy in, and then there's the accident. It's because they were having too much fun. They did not know they had needed to go in there until they came back in. <laughs> so having your puppy uh, on a leash, if that's the case, and taking them out there on a leash and standing in one spot, very boring. And when they go, you know, maybe they get some treats, maybe they get to play with you, or maybe they just get off leash time. It's interesting. That makes me think again about you saying about this like symbiotic relationship, because I it makes me think of with Bev when we were training her, how often I would think or she is maybe training us, you know, like uh, because she would she never would give much of a signal when she had to go potty, but she would come over and stare at me like big eyes. And she still if she needs to go out, she doesn't bark. She doesn't whine. She'll just come over and look at me like with big eyes like mom. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. And I thought I've thought like so much of training a puppy is kind of being trained yourself on your dog's cues and stuff. Uh, It kind of makes sense, actually. But I want to ask you through this whole Dog Days of Boise series, we've been asking everyone this question and we want your input as somebody who works with dogs every day. Do you think Boise is the most dog friendly city in America? Like, can we give ourselves that title? So I I think that is a wonderful title to strive for. Um, (laughs) Boise has become so friendly. I mean, just thinking about 
you know, what what we do have now, because we do have dark parks, we have all the trails that they can go on. Um, we have some now restaurant friendly places for dogs, uh, the breweries, the pubs, all of those places have started to open. There's even some events that dogs have been welcomed in. And so, yes, we are becoming a very friendly city. But we could still do more. Yeah, we could still we're, we're on our way. But you feel like we, should, we could still do some more. I think we're on our way. So I say keep it up, Boise. I love it. Well, Allison, thank you so much for your help with all of this. Thank you for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. We're working on an episode about Boise veterinarians. Have you had trouble finding a vet for your dog or want to rave about a particular doctor who's treated your pup? Send us an email at boise at citycast.fm. Again, that's boise at citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning if we survive sitting in the rowdy section of the Caldwell Rodeo. Bye.